Hey, listen, my name is Brandon Doss. I, uh, I pastor a church, Cultivate Church, uh, here in the Birmingham area. We're in Alabaster. Anybody know where Alabaster's at? About 35 minutes south uh, of here, we have uh, a church, and we launched it back in 2012. Uh, just planted a second campus in Shelby County in a place called Columbiana. Anybody know where Columbiana is? Anybody? 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 It's literally, it'd take five minutes to get there if there was anything but back roads to get there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a small town, and uh, but God's blessed our church. We broke a 1,000 this, this Easter for the first time ever. Come on, that was awesome. And then the next, then the very next week, we were humbled back to you know real reality of uh, what what life is and how much work we still have left to do to reach people uh, in our county. But uh, I have the privilege today to introduce you to Dave, uh, Pastor Dave, a pastor I Town Church in Indiana. Come on, they're uh, blowing it up for the kingdom and uh, reaching thousands in their community. They spent some time here in Birmingham before they planted their church, getting some of that Roll Tide anointing, you know what I'm saying? Again, knowing what they're going to do there. So it, we're excited today to learn from him. So uh, we're going to give him as much time as we can. So put your hands together. Let's welcome him. Man, it's an honor to be uh, with you guys, and uh, y'all having a good time at conference this year? Yeah. It's been good, huh? Today's been absolutely amazing, and uh, I don't want to take uh, too much of our time from uh, the content that I have from you. My wife and I planted uh, I-Town in 2010, and uh, we did have the opportunity to be here on staff with the amazing Church of the Highlands team and, uh, and Pastor Chris. And we were only here for about 18 months, but it was uh, probably one of the best seasons of our lives in ministry. And, uh, and then we launched iTown in 2010, so we're about seven and a half years old. Uh, we have three campuses, and uh, we're trying to build a building. And uh, money is not our problem, which you would think uh, I always thought would be the biggest problem. But we're working on permits and all that stuff, so uh, pray for us. It's going to be a lot of fun. And God's been good. We've seen uh, over 20,000 people make decisions for Christ in the last seven and a half years. And, uh, you know, like, like any other church, our church grows to several thousand more than it's supposed to be on Easter and Christmas. And, uh, and then we have about, uh, 3,500 that come on a normal weekend, but we run seven services in a 500 seat auditorium because we just don't have space and God willing, we do everything we can to make it as easy as possible. And uh, I would say in looking at the success of our church or the things that God has blessed uh, over the last seven and a half years, we were really good with the weekend experience. And uh, that's what I want to talk to you about because I think it's what we do best as a church. Uh, we do a great job of reaching people and, uh, and giving them not just a, an experience, but the presence and the power of God in a non-spooky way that leaves them wanting more. And, uh, and it's why they... Uh, come back by the thousands. And so uh, hopefully some of this will rub off on you. Not all of it will work uh, for all of you, but hopefully some of these principles will align. You'll be able to put a few things uh, in place. All right, let's get to work. I was mentored by Chris Hodges, so I got lots of lists and numbers and a lot of practical tools for you to write down. But the first one is kind of a philosophical thing. If you're going to have great weekend services, number one, you first of all have to define the win. You have to understand what the win of the weekend is. And I want you to know that it permeates throughout our entire church. Everybody knows that there is only one reason why we do weekend services, and it's evangelism. Our weekend services are for lost people. Christians get a lot out of it. The presence of God is there every time, and we see, we see powerful, miraculous healings. We people, see people set free. We see all kinds of great things uh, that take place, but the win for us is evangelism. And the local church is the only organization that exists on the planet for its non-members. And we need to understand that. Jesus said, I didn't come for those that thought they were already in the club. And so what we see in scripture is that the weekend service is actually the best place in culture dating all the way back to the early church to introduce people to the message of the gospel. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 9, Paul took his followers with him to the lecture hall of Tyrannus, and he spoke there every day for two years. So we see a big public meeting with a, a communicator until every Jew and Gentile in Asia had heard the gospel. So that's a pretty effective communication tool. They, they rented out a venue and they had revival services for two straight years and Paul spoke every day and the entire region was evangelized. And so uh, weekend services really are, I think, the best front door for the church, the easiest way, at least for our church, to evangelize people. And we keep that in front of our team. All throughout the weekend, we celebrate life change. We talk about 
people giving their hearts to Christ and in every room that you would touch, like in every room that uh, uh, we have kids where they're serving, like nursery, preschool, kids areas, we have whiteboards that keep the running total of all-time salvations at Itown and the running total of that weekend because we get, we get the numbers back and we report it and we come back like to the people serving in those rooms. There's a, a runner that comes through and says, hey, thank you for rocking that baby. 37 people just gave their hearts to Christ. Great job, team. Like we keep it in front of everybody. When they go for their snacks, they go to a place like this, Dream Team Central, uh, our, our little goat, we call it the Go Team Room. We have the salvations on the board for the weekend running total and then running total all time for the church because we remember this is why we serve. These are the people's lives that we're here to touch. All right, number two, if you're going to have great weekend services, what you might not expect is that you must win the spiritual battle. There's no reason for you to have weekend services until you win the spiritual battle because nothing happens in the natural until it first happens in the spiritual. And I learned this from Pastor Chris. It starts with intercessory prayer. And so let me tell you quickly how our prayer world is structured. It's almost identical to Church of the Highlands. Every single Saturday we have a prayer service from 9 to 10 that's open to the public for an hour. And I'm not going to go into the details of how it's structured, but we have hundreds of people that gather every weekend and we pray over our weekend services. It is not kumbaya time, me and the Lord. It is warfare prayer. We are warring for souls. And typically, uh, the prayer that we are praying that weekend, I don't believe has a lot of impact on that particular weekend because we are building all these prayer altars to God. But we are praying every weekend because the prayers that are offered that weekend are winning the spiritual battle for somebody that might give their heart to Christ three or four weeks from now. Because that's kind of how the spiritual realm works. See, we have to win the battles in the spiritual. And so we do that. And then around the weekend, uh, every, aud every auditorium before the doors are open, a prayer team comes through and lays hands on every single seat in every different block of services. So before the doors are open, every seat is touched and we pray, God, whoever sits in this seat, we pray that they'd experience your power, your presence, your anointing, they'd be convicted of sin, that they'd see Jesus lifted high. We pray over every seat. And then every service, we have intercessory prayer. So during every service, and there's a nine-step prayer strategy that you can get from the Grow website that walks them through intercessory prayer. And this is the team that honestly you have to watch the most because uh, they're, they're the easiest to get the craziest. They go off base all the time. And you get up there, and they're laying hands on each other, or they're, they're standing in circle kumbaya, and it's like, you better stop that garbage. Like, we are, we are in prayer. We are warring for souls. Like, you need to be praying the pain off the wall. You need to be praying in the spirit. I don't know where your theology lands, but I want crazy tongue talkers in my prayer room because we are binding the devil. Whatever is bound in heaven is bound on earth. Whatever is loosed in heaven is loosed on earth. Like, and I can tell. If I walk off the stage and things are flat, first thing I do is I grab one of my pastors and I say, you go check the prayer room right now because I'm telling you something up in here. And every time we have the, not the right amount of prayer or oh, somebody, somebody who's supposed to be scheduled, but they canceled. And, and let me teach you this too. The Bible says one puts a thousand to flight, but put two puts 10,000 to flight. And we believe that there's power in the prayer of agreement. So even in the smallest services, there always has to be two. We never allow for one person to war in the spiritual for a service. It's always got to be two or more. And I prefer four or five in our bigger services where we're really fighting the devil because you can sense it, man. When you're, on the, when you're under the anointing, I know that somebody up in that room's got my back right now. Like I can actually sense when our prayer team is really flowing the way they're supposed to or when they're up there just chewing gum and talking and eating candy and not paying attention. And so we're all, and you always got to watch it because I'm just telling you, the prayer team believes they're, you know, God bless them. Most of them are wonderful servants of the Lord, but they kind of get that. It's a little like worship. They think they're a little more spiritual and they've sensed the presence of God and they're real great. And then all of a sudden they get sideways and she's got to always, always keep my staff, my pastors, somebody up there checking on it and because it falls apart all the time. But you got to win the, just being honest, you got to win the spiritual battle, win the spiritual battle, because it's what gives you the authority when you're standing on the stage. Number three, build a great website. You're going to have great weekend services. Realize that nobody comes to your church before they go to your website. And so do a couple of things. There's a couple of simple uh, things to think about here. You don't have to have an expensive website. Ours is a WordPress site. So it's, it's simple, and you can, 
You can do what you want with, with all those things. But here's a couple of things you got to have. First of all, take the guesswork out of the weekend. Like just kind of let them know what to expect. These are really common things in our culture now. I'm sure all of your websites are great. But just kind of let them know what it's going to look like. Make it easy. Here's a big principle. Make it easy for them to connect with the senior leader on the website. Like if I can't find your senior pastor in a couple of seconds, there's something wrong with your site. If I can't find your senior pastor at all, I assume there's a reason why you're not showing him to me. I want to see because people follow people. So uh, we, we hate the idea of, well, we don't want to build it around the pastor. Well, uh, not for his ego. You can't. Of course not. But Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Like everybody following somebody. They're following a person. And so I want to see who it is that I'm going to follow. I want to see what you look like. I want to see what your family's like. I want to see a little bit of history of where you've been. Tell me a little bit about what you've been doing before you came to plant this church or what your life looks like. I'd like to see a picture of you and your family. I want to see a little bit of video, if possible, of you teaching God's word because I want to get a sample that's just what I'm looking for. So that's what we try to make available on our site. Just some of those things that are just really clear and practical, helping them understand what the weekend is going to look like and uh, helping them kind of understand the environment. Another thing I would encourage you to do that my wife actually invented and that the body of Christ through the ark is now kind of adopting as normal is what we call child pre-registration. So one of the things that she came up with back in 2010 was everybody's going to be new on launch Sunday and we have electronic check-in, which we'll talk about in just a minute. And so how are we going to check all these brand new families in for the first time? Well, she came up with the idea of having a form stack form that would be available on the site. And so a family can go on and they can register all their kids and we pre-register them in the computer. So when they come to the first time family line, they just have to tell us their last name and we can print their tags off like that because there's no information to exchange because they did it already. And so we have a person that's all throughout the morning entering because people usually like will pre-register their kids in the shuttle on the way up to the building. It's not like they take a couple of days to prepare. They usually do it the morning of. And so we always have people that are inputting those things on the back end so that they're all already registered. And it just creates a good guest experience when they come for the first time. All right. Number four, concentrate on making a good first impression. I know I'm giving a lot of information fast, but I want to get through this so I can answer any questions you might have. Make a good first impression. Get, statistics say that guests will make a decision about whether or not they'll return to your church within the first 10 minutes. Uh, at Itown, you're not even going to come close to me in the first 10 minutes. Like, that's our parking team. Uh, you you probably going to ride the shuttle. You're going to see the greeters. You might be able to talk to hospitality, maybe kids check in, maybe even a ch- children's worker. But that's about as far as you're, I mean, like that, and that'd be a low service in 10 minutes, right? You, 10 minutes is pretty short. And so we have to make sure that we're making great first impressions. Let me give you several sub points of how to do that, all right? First of all, clear and noticeable signage. Even though we all have Google Maps, when you come in, again, what's the weekend about? It's about evangelism. Evangelism is that first-time guest. So everything has to be filtered through first-time guests. And I would challenge you, we all have what we call the curse of knowledge. Curse of knowledge is that you already know everything. You already, and so it's hard. The curse is that you can't unknow what you know. So like when you're watching a movie that you've already seen, you already know who did it, and you can't unknow who did it, so it spoils the movie because you know who did it, Right? So the same principle applies with your church. If you've seen a piece of trash on the floor for four years, you don't see the piece of trash anymore. And so we all know where the bathrooms are. We know where to turn. We know where to park. But first-time guests have no idea where any of that stuff is. And if we don't re-look at our environments through that lens, then I think we miss it. And so uh, one of the things that we started doing years ago before it was popular is buying flags. Because flags are fun. Like outdoor flags, they're illegal in most cities, but what I've learned is that the people that patrol the signage that require permits don't work on weekends. Come on, somebody. (laughs) So don't be dumb and leave your flags out all week long. Just put them out on the weekend when they're not working. And so all of our flags are completely illegal, but we got 18-foot flags. We got 16-foot flags. You come on the property at I-Town, and you feel like you have arrived at Disney World. There are flat, I mean, that's, and that literally, Disney World is the metric that we use. Like, does it feel like Disney World yet? Let's add five more flags. Because, because it's fun, 
But it's also one of those things of like, if you're following Google, you're like, I don't know, is it it's coming out? Well, my our flags are so stinking large that you can see them. But when you get off the highway, it's like, oh, there's I-Town right over there. And there's that sense of relief of, okay, now I know where to turn. Now I know where I'm supposed to go. When we were at the uh, middle school, we'd have flags at the entrance of the door because those of you who are portable, people don't know which door to go in. If your building has 18 doors, you don't have a good greeter team that weekend and no signage. People don't, they don't want to be pulling on doors that are locked. And I don't know, is the church here? Is it on the backside? Did we go to the right place? Like you want to have all those things very easily marked. And so we have those types of signs in places that you can see them well. And then think about A-frame signs in the parking lot, helping give people direction. I don't know what you do with your guests for ours. You know, we, we have kind of a, we have three different parking lots we use with cross parking agreements. And one of them is like a five minute shuttle away. You have to actually drive through another uh, property, out back onto the street, onto another property. I mean, people get really confused. Like, I thought I was going to church, but now they're taking me to Target, and this just doesn't make a lot of sense. So you have to have signage just like, I'm sorry. Yes, you're still at I-Town. Yes, you still can come to service. No, it's, it's okay. You know, like, you, you want to communicate some things so people kind of understand. So we don't take our guests out there. If you turn your flashers on, then you can turn left and you can get on the property and uh, park in our first-time guest parking, which all my buddies then will cheat and they turn on their flashers, all those high Ds, they turn on their flashers and as soon as they get on the main lot, they turn them off and just park and our parking says, no, nah, man, that's awful. Anyway, uh, that's not the point. So your guests, we, we kind of balance that guest experience. You know, some places are a little stifling in their guest experience, like they meet you at the car and, and that's great for their cultures. For ours, you get cut if you met somebody at their car, but we do have special parking for them. Like you can ride the shuttle if you want, but you know, so we have signs that help them understand all that. And then where is, where are things that should be obvious? Like like uh, the kids' restrooms or, uh, excuse me, the restrooms, the kids check in, where's the auditorium? Like if you've been going to church for a long time, you just look at the building, you go, oh, I bet that's the auditorium because there's all these doors and it looks like a bank. But people that don't go to church don't know where what an auditorium is, much less where it is. So having those types of things labeled, I think, are important. And then information places like for resources and then free coffee, which we'll talk about that in a minute. So clear and noticeable signage. Second thing is clean exterior and interior. Like pick up your trash, stripe the parking lot. Mow the grass, trim the plants. Those of you that have a building, if you mow the grass or if you outsource the grass being mowed, have it mowed on Friday. Come on, somebody. Don't get the grass mowed on Monday because then it, it don't look good on the weekend. And the, the weekend is what it's all about. Make sure the bathrooms are clean and well stocked with paper products of all kinds. You all know what I'm talking about. Make sure that you have special soap, something that's scented and nice. It doesn't have to be over the top. And then in the, both the men's and the women's restrooms, we always have baby changing stations. I know this stuff is really common, but back when we planted, nobody was doing that kind of stuff. So make sure that you have the, like we always have extra diapers, size four is a pretty universal size for, uh, you know, children of all sizes. You got the wipes there, you got the tooth flossing things, you've got all kinds of things, that lotions and just some amenities that make life uh, a little bit more comfortable. And then make sure that the chairs are straightened and that there's, there's trash that's picked up, even between services. Just kind of monitor your, the excellence of your environment. Make sure that it's clean and that it's put together. Because if I go into an environment where the chairs are crooked, I just assume the leadership's not detailed. And I, I know I'm a pastor, but if I wasn't a pastor, I'd be a serial entrepreneur. And we have a lot of those in our church. And those, those types of people think in certain ways that the church typically is unable to attract because we don't maintain the kind of environments they're used to. And so we have to make sure that we maintain the certain level of excellence that, that they deserve to be a part of. All right, then you want uh, a friendly and recognizable team. Make sure your team is friendly, but also very recognizable. Because you want to be able to make sure that they feel the strength of your team. So some people use T-shirts, some people use lanyards. There's all different kinds of or, or badges. Like now, I think we switched from the lanyards to the Fellowship One printed tag. Is that what y'all do here at Highlands? Yeah, the Dream Team. So the Go Team all, when they check in, they get a little tag uh, on their shirt that they wear that lets people know that they serve on the team. And, uh, and it just helps. It helps everybody who's there know who I can reference for more information. Like if I'm, I'm, I need to ask a question, I need to know who the team actually is. 
And, and then when you're leading your team, make sure they feel like a team. I think part of the problem in the church is that we don't, we don't create it like a sports team like it should be. And so we have like a team huddle, have a meeting at the start of the day, and it's a big team huddle for, for people that are serving in that first couple of services and are there. And the campus pastor always leads that. And you don't have to do this, but it's just what we do. And, uh, and we always have just a couple of minutes of fun. And then we don't say, hey, last weekend we got 127 people saved. We'll say that. But that's not as inspiring as, hey, we got 127 people saved, but let me tell you about Sally. Sally's a single mom who's been out of church for 15 years, and she came last week, and she knew her kid wouldn't go to the kids' area, but, man, can I tell you, our kids' area did an amazing job, and they were able to get that child to stay without crying and fussing, and, and Sally went to service, and she experienced worship for the first time in years because she didn't have a child in her lap, and she gave her heart to Christ. Her life has turned around. Praise God. Great job, kids' team. Great job, ushers and greeters and worship team. Hey, how many Sally? is going to be here today. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. You know, it's like, man, that's an inspiring story. Now I'm ready to serve because I understand that the kingdom is impacted. What we're doing is serving. We celebrate those life change moments together. And then we get everybody into their separate teams. We call what we call the, the play for the day. We have a play that we're running every single weekend. We have a play we're running. So a kid's checking. It may be, hey, the play for the day is let's get everybody checked in in less than five minutes. Let's make sure that we do this, or let's have everybody have a smile. Let's try and learn three new names. Every team comes up with some type of a win for the day, and they're able to communicate that to their teams, and then they're in place 30 minutes before service starts. All right, next thing you need in this first impressions is a simple and efficient kids check-in. Listen to me, those of you that run kids check-in areas, please listen to me. Only gather necessary information to have their child. You, that's not the moment to gather. How many churches have you been to before? And what was its name? And why did you leave? And what's your social security number? And can I have five credit cards? I mean, you just don't need all that information. And so you want to gather as little as possible. Why? Because fast is friendly. Listen to me. When I go to Target... I don't care what happened in that woman's life. Like I do as a pastor. I want to pastor her. I'm so sorry for your loss, but I can't wait here, Grandma, for 15 minutes for you to drone on about your dog. Just check me out from a Tic Tacs. You know, I need to go. I'm late for a meeting. Now, I know that's a little harsh, and I'm just, it just is what it is, all right? I'm, I'm not a nice person. I love Jesus, but you'll just have to deal with that part. So, so I want her to be fed. Like, I'm looking. I don't know if you're all like me. Maybe not. Maybe I need to get saved. But when I'm checking out, I'm evaluating the line, the people, who's there. Do they have their card out? My God, is that a check they're holding? Is that person, is the checker a talker? Because they could be really friendly, and their line is like 15 people. I'm not picking that line. Because I don't need friendly. I've got lots of other environments for friendly. I need fast. I'm just trying to get out of here. And, and kids checking is the same. Listen, they've done all this work to get their kids ready. They've screamed at them all the way to church. They've got snot drooling down their face. And, and they're already nervous and all tense because they're a first-time guest in a brand-new environment. The last thing they want to do is stand at the check-in place for 15 minutes because worship is starting and they know they're late and that's what they came for to try and experience God's presence and you got them filling out a form for eight hours. All right, the other thing is make sure that it is a form. If they don't do the pre-registration, make sure it's a form because never speak over, never gather information over a computer. Name, age, birth date, cell phone number. Now, you, you may be like, like our team screws this up all the time. So they're like, oh, we're going to be personable. We're not going to make them fill out a form. We're going to be personable and have a conversation with them. But the problem is name. How do you spell that? Cell phone number. What was that number again? And so now they're shouting over the computer. The mom is trying to wrangle her children that are running all over the place while she's shouting at the computer person because this is not a great, meaningful conversation. She's just exchanging data. And listen to me. If you ever get to the place that you have major influence, you've got a, a, a Pacers player or a Colts player checking in their kids for the first time. And you know what? Last name? Freeney. Cell phone number? And everybody in the lobby goes, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to get Freeney's cell phone number, right? Come on, somebody. 
Because people want privacy. They don't want to be putting their information out there for everybody to hear. And so it's just nice. If you want to be friendly, then have somebody come from behind the counter and hold the kids while mom fills out the form real fast. Make sure it's on a clipboard. She can fill it out with one hand because she's got a kid in the other hand. And somebody's got to hold that paper for it, right? There's just little things that you can do that are very friendly. But make sure that it's really fast. That's the most important part. Another thing for first impression is free coffee. Everybody say free free. I know nobody makes this mistake anymore, but my God in heaven, do not have a tip jar for your coffee. It should not cost you that much. Just give it away for free. And then the coffee doesn't need to be the biggest thing on the sign. The word free does. Because guests don't, there haven't been in a lot of environments where people give stuff away. So the idea of free coffee is fairly new to them. And so they need to see the free really bigger. They'll be apprehensive. I can't get up there and get a tip situation because I don't have any change on me. And that would be embarrassing. And so then they, they, like we do the free coffee for the guests so they'll settle in and be comfortable. Why? Because those things help create environments that are similar to other places they're at in life. Almost all of them have been to a Starbucks before, but few of them may have been to a church before. So if we recreate a Starbucks feel, then it feels like something they've done before. So that, it's comfortable. But if it's not free, then you miss, you miss the mark. And then listen, everybody, let them take it in the auditorium. I don't care if your carpet's new. Replace that tile, all right? If they knock it over, it's not the end of the world. It's going to be okay. Let them, because there's nothing worse in the world than doctoring your coffee all up and being like, oh, praise the Lord, I got some coffee, and now I'm going to go to this new experience with these weird people. And you get to the door, and the, the church bouncer's like, got to throw it away. I can make sure you just want to punch somebody. Just spent 10 minutes getting that coffee the way I wanted it, and now i got to throw it away, and it just makes me aggravated, right? Then have an informational worship guide. Informational worship guide. Guests are the only ones that don't know to be late. I told my church a couple weeks ago, y'all know we sing three songs, right? Most of y'all only here for one. And it's a good one, but we actually sing three. Well, our guests don't know that rule, and so they come early, and so they're sitting there with nothing to do. Put something in their hands that tells them something about your church. Like, here's all the things we've done to make it comfortable, and here's a little bit about how we do what we do. Our, our worship guide talks about the four things we do, and then how the coffee's free in the kids' areas and all those types of things. We just try to communicate some information, all right? All right, y'all still with me? Take a deep breath. That's number four. That's good first impression. Number five, this is the most important one. Focus on the children's experience. Focus on the children's experience. Young families choose churches based on their kids' experience. Listen to me. This is, this is what happens in our church. I don't know about yours. We win people to Jesus because mom and or dad grew up in church, fell away from church, sought no purpose for it in their life. Then they, then they shacked up with somebody or maybe they got married, which is unlikely. And now they have a child. And they go, oh, man. This kid needs to not be the devil, and I grew up in church, so somebody needs, somebody needs to teach them the Bible, and clearly they don't feel equipped to do so, and so they bring them to us. Can you, can you save my kid? And I'll tolerate whatever you're doing in there if you'll just save my kid. So I'm going to drop my kid off. And so if you win the kids, if those kids get in the car and go, Mommy, that's the best time I've ever had in my life. I can't wait to come back. You'll win the family. But if they get in that car and say, Mommy, don't ever make me come back here again. Nobody ever talked to me, and it wasn't fun, and it was so boring. I don't care if I made Jesus appear in the flesh. They're not going to come back. It doesn't matter what happened in the auditorium. So the kids have to have a good experience. Let me give you a few things under that. First one is security. The most important thing in the kids' areas, listen to me. I know this sounds crazy. It's not the presence of God. For parents, it's security. It's security. We live in a dangerous age. And so, first of all, you have to have you have to have it actually secure. And so we have an armed officer in uniform at the door at every venue. We've got about 12 police officers in Fishers. But, uh, but at the kid's door, we have one guy that never moves. And can I tell you, like, his orders are shoot to kill. Uh, we don't shoot to wound. If you, if you start firing at I-Town, you will die. Like, you, you might kill a couple of people, and that's on you. But if you kill 10, that's on me. And so they know. Anybody walks up in here with a gun, you're going to shoot them dead because we aren't playing around. And fa how many of y'all know that moms aren't like, oh, I feel like we ought to be more gentle about that? No, their kids are on the line. And so we have a, a, a no-nonsense policy, and our police officers love it. And so they stand at the door, and, and the officer never interacts with anybody. They just stand there and watch. 
And then we have a person from our team who's super friendly that checks every tag before they go back there because we're, we're not going to be a place that allows pedophiles to walk around and look inside the kids' rooms. You, if you don't have a parent tag, you're not getting back here. And so then you have to have electronic check-in, which I know some of you with lower budget think, oh, electronic check-in, I can never do that. Well, there's th this thing called Lamb's List. There's like a million others now that are basically an online database that just print out a tag. It's almost an Excel spreadsheet that's in the cloud and it makes you feel very professional. You don't have to have Fellowship One to make that work. It doesn't matter what system you have, just as long as there's a printed tag that matches the child tag. It makes parents feel very, very safe. And if you don't have your tag, you can't get back. And I don't care if you're a pastor on my staff. If you didn't bring your tag, you're not getting back. And listen to me, this is important, because you can't pick your kids up without your tag. You can't get back there without your tag. Even if you're on staff, not because we're trying to be legalistic and judgmental, but because the guest who's right beside you that sees you skate through the system doesn't know that you're a pastor on staff or that you guys have been lifetime best friends. Everybody in the church knows that that's definitely your kid. All they see is a person picking up a child without a tag, and it makes them feel like someone could get their kid without a tag. And in today's day and age, mom and dad are in all kinds of custody battles. And if dad knows mom goes to church and the kids would respond well to dad, he could come while mom's in service and say, I'm going to pick my kids up early. We just got a couple things to do. And he can steal the kids and leave the state and your church is in the news for the wrong reason. So you keep those tags and you just be firm about it. All right. Then clean nursery areas. Once you get security down, clean is the next most important thing. Make sure all of your nursery areas are clean. Now, for our kids, when they come, when a family comes for the first time, remember this is all first-time guest experience, we make sure that they get a green tag. So they have their child tag, but then there's a little green sticker that goes on that child tag, and that tells every single worker that that child's there for the first time. And while we treat everybody with love and respect, those first-time guests get a little, something extra special. Because we know we got a chance to win this family. And they're, they're, we may be battling for someone's soul here. It's really important. And so make sure that all of your workers are very friendly. I don't know how many churches you visited, but I've been to several when we were in our church planting journey and trying out other churches. We go to places and we take our kids with us because we wanted to experience all of it. And you get to the room and the, the workers are like playing with the kids, which is great, but they ignore the parent at the door and you're like, I'm not sure this is the right room. And then you set Johnny down and you just let, let him walk off to die. You know, like, I don't know if he's going to live. Do I leave the diaper bag here? Throw it over the railing? Like what? I'm a human. Hello. You know, they're not paying attention. I don't know if you ever had that experience before. And so we have our friendliest person who's on the team that day work the door. And the person has no personality but is faithful and comes every week to serve. We let them play with the kids because we want the person with the personality at the door. And then we always address the parents. Hey, welcome. It's so great. But then we engage the child. Hey, Johnny, it's great to have you at church because the tag says your name. It's great to have you at church today. And then it's a principle that we always compliment the child. There's always something you can compliment in the child. Get, you're putting mom's heart at ease is what you're doing. Oh, I love your tennis shoes, man. Those are cool tennis. Even if they're like, they, their clothes are ripped, their hair is a mess, they got snot over their face, and they are throwing an absolute fit. You're thinking, I am about to take care of the devil himself. We say, Johnny has so much passion today. Praise the Lord. Look at him. It's amazing. There's always something to compliment. And then when you get down to the infant rooms, those are the rooms that the moms are the most nervous. So just as, it's just practical stuff. Always have moms work those rooms. Like you can, we hire college girls all the time. To this day, we'll hire college girls to support the nursery staff because it's just a big team and you got to make sure those, those are well staffed. And so we'll hire two or three people through like care.com. We make sure they're Christians, of course, but we have some Christian universities in the area. We'll hire a few and we don't need them. We don't depend on them, but we have them just in case a bunch of people call off and we got to make sure rooms are open, right? Because at iTown, we'll have 150 kids in one service. And our nursery preschool kids areas are really fit for about 20. <laughs> Not quite that bad. But, you know, it's just, it's slammed. A couple weekends ago, we had over 200 kids checked in. And so every, all these rooms have 14, 15, 18 kids. And so you got to have a lot of workers to make sure that that's not chaos. Because, again, that makes mom uh, very nervous. And so when you get down to those infant rooms, those college girls are great. But they, most of them have never had a kid, so they don't know how to hold a baby. And a mom of an infant is not going to hand over a baby to a woman who doesn't seem to be a mother. 
Moms and grandmas. Now, make sure grandma's not too old. I'm not trying to be politically incorrect, but I'm just saying they want to make sure you got my kid. You're not going to drop them. You're going to mother them and, and take care of them well, right? And then our policy across the board is no men in any diaper-changing rooms. I don't care if you've never been uh, in trouble in your life. We're not going to be the first. And, and just to be honest with you, any guy who wants to change diapers has a problem anyway. Sorry. All right, one of the things I've learned from my wife, set up the room from the parent's perspective. When you set the room up, especially when you're portable, stand at the door and look back and put all of your most impressive and colorful toys and swings from the direction of the mom looking in the room. Because they're not coming into the room. They shouldn't. There should be a gate there. But what they see is what's important. You can put your trash can around the corner. Don't put your diaper changing station around the corner because that's shady. Put that right out in the center where everybody can see it. Again, you're trying to make mom feel safe. But put all your nice stuff out in front of them because it's all you're, you're staging a house. You're trying to sell a product here. Mom needs to see all the really nice things. So it doesn't matter if the room lays out the way it makes sense. Just make it look good for mom. And then in baby rooms, make sure all your swings and all your rocking chairs match. Make sure your toys are new. The kids' area are not the place to take all the junk from the people in your church that are just cleaning out their closets. Amazon.com, Walmart, it's all fairly cheap. And then disinfect the toys after every service and tell the parents about it. Like have a little sign, Baby Gannix in this room between every service. Baby Gannix doesn't do crap for anything. I'm just telling you, it's not really clean. We Lysol that stuff, but we do it during the week. Come on, somebody. Lysol is what kills germs. Baby Gannix is great. It you know, makes everybody feel good on the inside, but doesn't really kill as many germs. But people don't like the idea of Lysol and that smell is a little chemically. So we do that during the week, every week to make sure. Because listen, if they come once and their kid gets sick, and then they take a couple weekends off and they come back and their kid gets sick, you're labeled and you're done. They're not coming back. And, and so we got to make sure things are actually clean and have a little sign. All right, then uh, add the wow factor. The wow factor for us is, we learned this here at Highlands. 15 minutes before every service ends, we change every diaper, whether it's wet or not. And then on the outside of that child's outfit, we put a change with love sticker that tells mom, I have a fresh diaper on. Take me to lunch. You don't have to deal with me as soon as you pick me up. Like we didn't leave that poop sitting there. Well, the service is almost done. Let's let mom deal with it. No, we make sure that it's all clean. So when mom picks up their child, they feel the relief of they have a clean diaper on. And then we have uh, a sticker over their back because every area of the church's ministry, we do not do childcare on the weekend. And so our workers, even for the infants that don't have a lesson, pray over those children. They pray the promises of God. And we put a scripture over their back of this is the promise that was prayed for your child while they were here in church today. And then for all of those little kids, all, all of those smaller classes, they all get a onesie that we stick in their diaper bag. It's got an Itown Church logo on it that mom finds when they get home. Just a little like, oh, wow, that's so cool because every mom could use an extra onesie and one from our church is just a nice thought. All right, that's the nursery areas. Then we need an energetic kids experience. This is all under the children. An energetic kids experience. These are the ones, the sticker, when they get checked in, we put these stickers on the front instead of on their back because we want the workers up there to be able to call them by their first name. And then we have what we call the VIP system. It's kind of a conglomerate of different things that we have stolen from several different churches. So for us, it's a lanyard when they come. And, and when I talk about kids, this is uh, uh, first grade or kindergarten. Is it kindergarten? First through fifth. <laughs> first through fifth. And so... Uh, they get these lanyards, and, and we tell them, hey, when you go upstairs, if you get four hole punches, you're going to get a prize. Well, can I tell you the secret? Everybody gets four hole punches because four hole punches are four touches from a leader. We want to make sure that that kid was personally touched four times, and the only way we can keep track of it is by punching their lanyard. And so our leaders look for opportunities to compliment those children. So they'll come up to them and say, hey, man, I've never seen cool tennis shoes like that. Pow. Let me, give you a, let me give you a little thing. Uh, I've never seen anybody worship like that, man. That was so cool. Here you go. And they'll give them a punch. Hey, thank you so much for answering that question. They give them a punch. So they get four hole punches, which is four points of affirmation from the leaders in our place. We want to make that kid feel like a million bucks, even though they've never been to church before or haven't been in a while. And so then when it's over, their first time guest gift for us is a t-shirt. We give them a, and it's a nice, like, soft t-shirt because... 
You, we give t-shirts to adults too, and they'll wear them, but nobody wears t-shirts out like children. I'm telling you, they'll wear and they'll, it's the best advertisement. All of our schools in town, they're all wearing iTown t-shirts because those kids will wear them all the time. Even if they never come back to your church, it's still great advertising. And then we tell them, bring your lanyard back. Here's the genius of it. Bring your lanyard back next week, and we'll give you a second prize. Why? Because now that kid is going to just drive their parents insane to come back next week because they want that prize. And it's a slap, for us, it's a slap bracelet. We change it all the time. We had the, a p- poster with the four values. Love God, love people, work hard, have fun. That was the second prize. And I was always like, man, if I came back and got a poster, I'd be like, oh, man. So we changed it to a slap bracelet. And uh, I thought that was cool. And so did my kids. So we changed it to that. You can do whatever you want. doesn't matter what you give away. Just whatever fits in your culture. That second prize, kids will come back. And, and uh, of course, we're not legalistic about it. They'll come back the next week. And they'll be like, oh, I forgot my lanyard, but I really want my second prize. We're not like, sorry, kid, no lanyard. <laughs> be, be life-giving about it. Just give them a slap bracelet. Even if you're like, man, I've given you like seven slap bracelets. Just give them another one. It doesn't matter. Here's a great... Uh, tip and then we'll move on about the programming for those kids areas make sure you take a biblical thought not a not a good idea or a character thing take a biblical story like a real biblical thought with a solid biblical foundation and pound it into their head the entire time they're there because if you give them one thought for the day, because Jesus loves me, I will never give up because Jesus loves me they get in the car their parents are going to say what'd you learn in church today most of the time they go, I don't know. And then the parents don't feel like you're teaching them anything. But if they're like, Jesus loves me, and because he does, I will never give up. The parents are like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This church is, like, doing a great job. Because then they tell their parents. And then make sure that all of it is very high energy and tons of fun. All right? You've got to be safe. It's got to be clean. But the kids have to have a lot of fun. All right. Now we've got our kids checked in. Number six, be intentional with every moment in the auditorium. Be intentional with every moment in the auditorium because now we're getting in, we're coming in the doors. Let me give you several points under this. Have a set time that you open your auditorium doors. That's always a good principle. Now, everybody lands differently on this, and we're about to build a building, and we'll change everything when we do that because we'll have to load differently. Right now we have 500 seats, so we don't open, and we have almost no lobby space, but I don't open the doors until 10 minutes before service. Because there's a secret. You want to know all the churches all around the country have lines all around the building because they ain't got nowhere to stand because the lobbies are super small and they don't open the doors. I figured that out about six years ago. So we've always had lines and you can take great pictures and people stand and it creates all this excitement and momentum and energy. And, and I know this is probably uh, a little bit weird, but attending church to me, and again, this isn't, y'all are going to leave here and think, man, that's some raw guy. Attending church to me is more like going to a club in some ways, like an actual, you know what I'm talking about, like an actual dance club. If you go to a club and you're new and there's no one there, you're like, what is it? Did I come at like 930? Did I come too early? And like the music's going and there's nobody on the dance floor. There's nobody around. And you're just like walking around like a loser. And there's like a couple of people there. You're thinking this place is a dive. This is awful. I feel weird. Like it's really bad. But if you ever go to a club, which you should not, and it's like, (laughs) unless you're Carl. Carl's a good buddy of mine, so I can get away with it. You, if you go to a club and it's packed, right, everybody's kind of, they're not really dancing because there's no room to dance, but it's just full, and you're just kind of walking through. You can walk through people. You can stand in the corner. You can hang out, and everything feels fine, right, because nobody's looking at you because there's a million people there. Church is the same way. When you walk into the lobby and there's nobody around, you're going like this. You feel awkward, and everybody knows you're a guest because you're the only one doing this. And you don't have anywhere to hide. There's nowhere to stand. There's nowhere to feel. But when you walk into our lobby and you can't even hardly get through, some people think this is really negative for a guest. So I think it's great for a guest because then they just look like they're just part of everybody else. There's 100 people in a space that fits 50, super hot. And it's maybe inconvenient that you have to walk through a few lines and people, but it's really comfortable. And then the line for the next service is comforting because now at least I have a space. Like this is where I'm supposed to stand. I'm going to service and this is the line to get in service so I know where I'm supposed to be versus just I'm kind of hovering in the hallway weirdly because the doors aren't open. I don't know where to go or I'm just going to go in there in the, in the auditorium and it's like half an hour before service. So we don't do any of that. We create all these lines by keeping the auditorium doors closed, all right? Then when they do come in, make sure you create the right atmosphere in the auditorium. 
Like all of our lighting is set. There are no changes that are being made. Nobody's fooling around with the lighting board. Nobody's up on stage doing anything. Like all the lights are off on the stage and the lights are dark enough so that you can feel really comfortable to sit there by yourself, but bright enough that you're not going to stumble over yourself to get to your seat. And we manipulate seating in every service. Our room seats, we have, we have literally pipe and drape that goes from the floor to the ceiling. It's not pipe and drape. It's actual television tracking system for for curtains and so and it's on a track that's adjustable and so we can see 207 350 and 500 so we cut it for every service however we want it to be because we want it to feel full because rooms that feel full feel good and then and then at itown most people don't like this i guess but at itown uh we don't let you pick your seat we pick it for you and and church people don't like that but unchurched people love it because you walk into a room with hundreds of seats, how big or small, I don't know where church people's seats are. I don't know where I'm allowed to sit. I don't know where I'm supposed to sit. So if you just tell me where to sit, then it takes the guesswork out of it. So our ushers just fill every row and every seat. And we usually, like in our, in our room uh, that seats 500, we'll have uh, over, we'll have five, some services 580 with extra chairs out or we'll just push to overflow, but we get every seat full. So it's common in our world to be 100% to 105, 110% full in the room, and it allows us to maximize our space. Some of you may not need that. In some of our services, we don't need that. But the thing that I learned, I went to an elevation service years ago, and, uh, and they were doing the pipe and drape thing, and I came into a service, and uh, I was like, oh, man, this is sad because the room is like totally empty. And I was on the third row, and, but they force-filled. And so then I kind of got lost in worship when it started. I'm thinking, this service is a bomb because we were like in the back row when we got there. But then when the worship was over, I turned around for the meet and greet and the entire room was packed. But the worship wasn't impacted and I wasn't distracted by all those people arriving because there were no empty seats in front of me. And so it doesn't matter. When, there's, when there are empty seats behind you, they don't matter anymore. Right? Only for the people walking in. But if there are empty seats in front of you, they can be a distraction, feels disconnected, feels like the room's not full. So we just kind of always embrace that principle that we're just going to load. We're not jerks about it. If there's a party of seven and we have five seats left, we're not like, sit here. You know, the two of you, it's not my fault. No, we'll let them, you know, we let people choose if they ask. But most people don't ask. They just like to be led to their seat because it gives them a level of comfort. All right, then we have a five-minute countdown. Helps everybody know that service is going to start on time, and it helps the guests understand what's happening. Our pre-service slides are informational so that it gives, you know, we're not going to waste that time while they're sitting there if they get there early. And then for a rule of thumb for us as far as the stage, we have no music stands. There's no chord charts, no iPads. All the chords are straight. Like, you have all week to learn the song. And if you can't learn how to play a song, you ain't going to be on our stage. Take that music stand and melt it down. Burn it. They're, we don't even own music stands at iTown. <laughs> like, that's why you're an infuse. You will stay there until you learn the song. Learn the words. Learn the chords. All right? All right. So then service flow needs to follow a smooth rhythm. It's kind of like, like a little dance you get people in as they experience the presence of God. So listen to me. The mo- most important thing about services that people mess up is transitions. A lot of people are good at worship. Some people are even good at a worship song. Have good announcements, good preaching. But how they get from one song to the next and how they get from worship to the teaching, how they get from teaching to the offering or whatever it is, usually is pretty awful. And it it gives that jarring, like, ugh, feeling. And every time you do that, the attention goes from Jesus and on to you. And it messes up the service. And so you got to be careful with all of that stuff and make sure that you have songs that flow from one to the other. Like uh, for those of you who are worship leaders, you know what I'm talking about. Make sure everything's in relative keys. No funky key changes. Don't, don't have weird. Why would you do that? Just change the key. Who cares if it's supposed to be a female song? Let a dude lead it that weekend. Just change the key. Like make it work so that it flows because when you stop and, and don't just have every song stop and start. Like I, hit, I tell our guys all the time, like we can't just start the song and then stop the song. Everybody claps. Then we start another song and then we stop that song and then everybody claps. And then we start another song and we stop that. It doesn't have a flow to it. It's got to have this nice, these moments in between. You're creating an experience for people. Got to let that worship flow from one to the next and then how it flows from worship into ministry. I'll tell you all about that in just a minute. A lot of people are good at stuff. Few people are good at getting from one thing to the next. If you're great at transitions, you'll be great at a worship experience. So work on those. 
Don't just pray every time. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. Father God of Lord Gods, we thank you, Lord God. Lord Jesus, Lord God. All right. Worship starts with high energy. We like to... We like to make sure that we have what we call kind of a gathering song, like that first song is people are just kind of coming in. It's upbeat, high energy. You know, our countdown, just like Highlands, leads into whatever that first song is. We try to make sure it's in the same key or in a relative key to the opening song so that that transition's smooth. And hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to I-Town. And this is important for us. We are going to stand together and worship God because I don't know about your church, but we don't sing songs at my church. We worship God. Hey, everybody, we're going to sing some songs, and it's cool if you want to sit. It's cool if you want to stand. No, it's not cool. We're going to worship God, and you're going to stand. Come on. Let's, let's all stand, right? Little John Gray. Praise the Lord for him. So, and then make sure that your band, and this is a whole other topic altogether. I'm meddling all kinds of people's departments, but make sure that, make sure that your worship team, like, worships Jesus. There's nothing more repulsive to me than a performer on the stage in a moment that's supposed to be for Jesus doing a little too much dancing a little bit. You can kind of tell when they really like it about themselves. And I'm telling you, that's the last time that person stands on our stage. If I have to personally grab them and say, look, that was a little bit too much about you. We're going to send you to the desert until you figure out that we can lead this without you. It'll be all right. So we make sure that all of these express, like we have expressions and the way we worship God, you know, that we don't point our fingers, it's open hands, and the Bible uh, talks all about it. And so we make sure that it's demonstrative and expressive worship. Because listen, worship leaders, we are, we are not leading songs and we are not even leading worship. If you're good at what you do, you are pastoring people through a worship experience. You're pastoring your people into the presence of God. You're pastoring people to open their hearts and encounter him. Make sure that those worship sets have some type of a God moment in there that you're thinking about. Where's the moment where God is going to touch them? And then for us, a little technical uh, piece of information. We don't, our, our ceiling is 98 decibels. We, we range somewhere between 93 and 98. It's a little hot for most churches. Uh, 95 is kind of where we live uh, for worship. But I don't mind in bigger moments if we, if we bump it up to 98. But again, that's, that's a preference uh, for your church. And then we don't, I know a lot of people do the, the earplugs. We don't, you know, like, like there's one church I know of that says, we won't turn it down, but you can. And they've got like a little thing. And that's kind of a cute saying. But what you're telling people is it's too loud and we know it, but we're not listening to your complaints. So we have earplugs, but you have to ask our sound guy for them. Like, we don't make it public. If you come up to our sound guy or somebody and complain that it's too loud, we go, oh, we can accommodate you, and we give them the earplugs. But we don't have, like, a thing out there that just says, we're, we're just telling you that we're going to offend you, and we don't care. Because I think we don't care, but <laughs> we don't want to put a sign up about it. <laughs> All right, now listen to this. This is a new principle that I learned from Pastor Brian and uh, from Pastor Chris. And this is, a, this is one of the best revelations I've ever heard. And I think it'll change your church because it changed mine. Uh, when you're in worship uh, or even creating a worship experience, there's only three named archangels in all the scripture that represent the glory of God. That surround the presence of God. Lucifer, Michael, and Gabriel, right? And all three of those archangels have a specific function in heaven. Lucifer was worship, Michael was warfare, and Gabriel always delivered a message. That, everybody, is what church is supposed to be. You have to have a moment of worship, you have to have a moment of warfare, and then you have to deliver a message. But most churches miss the warfare, and we were. We were missing a warfare moment. So we do a great job bringing people into God's presence, but then at the end of worship, we got them in the throne room, and we're not doing anything with it. And so what we started doing is creating what we call a ministry moment at the end of worship. So we come up at the end of that song, hey, everybody, so great to have you at church today. My, my, my name is Dave, and I love the words of that song. You know, there's nothing that can ever separate you from the love of God. And I know some of, some of you are here today, you feel like God could never love a person like you. In fact, even during this worship set, you've been battling with thoughts of all the sin in your life and the things you've done wrong. I just want you to know God loves you, 
This is a moment he wants to heal you. I know you can sense his presence even right now. And I just want to take a moment to pray that whatever is hurting in your life, that God would touch and God would heal. Can I tell you, that's the thing that people come back and say, that's my favorite moment of the service, like every weekend. I spent all week writing the stupid message. I spent 30 seconds thinking up that little ministry moment thought. And that's the thing. That was the moment. Why? Because their hearts are open. It's a moment of warfare. We take it to heaven. Lord Jesus, we thank you right now that every single person in this place is set free by the power. I mean, we pray the pain off the walls in those moments, and it changes people's lives. We've had reports of people's like migraines being healed, backs healed, all kinds of pain, like just set free and delivered in those moments before we get into uh, the word, all right? And then, and then at the very last part of that, we introduce, hey, welcome everybody to iTown. Quick little welcome. Gave you the worship guy. We want to welcome our guests. And sometimes we clap for them. Sometimes we don't. We just want to acknowledge them without embarrassing them, all right? Now, worship is over. We need a message that must be easy to understand and practical. This stuff is super simple. Y'all know this kind of stuff. Speaking series, make sure it's biblically based. Don't ever proof text those of you writing messages. Don't ever start with a thought and then look for Bible verses to back it. Let the word, I mean, we got to get back to the, I, I agree with John. We got to get back to the word. Like you can teach in topical series, but teach the word. Let the word determine the points. Let the word determine what the problem is because the word is relevant. And if you let the Holy Spirit show you, it speaks to every issue that we face in modern day culture. And then be authentic. Tell personal stories about your own failure. Don't be too transparent, right? You can't, there's a line that you have to walk there, but make sure that you're honest with people so that they can connect. And then be prepared. Some people say, I don't prepare because I don't want to sound re uh, like I'm rehearsed, over-rehearsed. And the truth is, most people that don't rehearse don't end up sounding authentic. And so make sure, especially if you're new to speaking and preaching, that you practice it. Then have an altar call every service. Make sure that it's clear and simple. Make sure that it's clear. Hey, if you don't know Jesus right now, don't like, if you just need to take a step in your faith and we just want to pray for you and like, don't make it muddy, make it clear. Like you do not know the Lord. You, you would, you would say that you're not in an intimate relationship with him and then make sure you lead them in a salvation prayer every service. That's what this whole service is about, right? We prepared their hearts. We've got them ready. And then we have at the end for us, we have the offering and closing announcements and they're as brief as possible. We've started this little system of, hey, if you just gave your heart to Christ, text the word salvation to the number 63566, and I'm going to send you a message that I personally recorded. It's just a two-minute video that tells you what to do next in your relationship with Christ and how we can help you. And I'd love to put that on your mobile device. Just text me. Text the number, and it's not a, you're not signing up for anything. I'll never text you for the rest of your life because we're not recording your number unless you, again, give your heart to Christ and text salvation to 63566. This is the only time you'll ever get a text from us but do it so I can get the information uh, to you. And then, and then we tell them, hey, we'd love for you to be in the grow plan. Uh, that's our growth track because we want to help you figure out. Pitch everything that you do from the standpoint of how it helps them because people are selfish. You don't want them to come hear your vision because they don't care. Come hear the vision of the church and all that we're doing. Everybody's a pass on that. Hey, if you'll come, what we're going to do is help you figure out what God put you here for and how we can equip you to go do that for for the rest of your life and make a difference. That's a better appeal because it's about them. All right, and make sure that you're pastoring people. We don't ever, I learned this from Craig, Craig Rochelle, we don't ever make announcements. We lead people to outcomes. So I'm not making an announcement about the grow plan. I'm leading them to take the next step to come to the grow plan because it's, that's what they need to do. And then we do the offering. Hey, you know, in a moment we're going to worship God with our giving. So if you came prepared to do that, you can get it ready. And uh, the ways are on the screen. We have electronic and you can whatever. Well, I don't usually reference that. Hey, it's on the screen. I give them a vision win. Here's one of the things we did. Last week we dug a well in Africa, fresh water for 1,000 people in this little village that didn't have access to it. And you guys paid for that. Great job, everybody. You can't give to it. It's already been done. We just appreciate your generosity as we give today. These are the kinds of things you're giving towards. And so then we just give them a little vision. And, uh, and we don't ever ask. And then we tell our guests, don't feel pressure to give. Take that card with you, the connection card. Take it to the red tent because I got a free T-shirt for you today to say thank you for coming. And so then they'll go out there and they'll talk to our team members. Then we have one closing song as the buckets pass that's high energy, something probably song two from earlier in the set that day or even song one. Close with a little bit of worship. And as soon as that 
As soon as that song ends, our team says, thank you so much for worshiping with us. You guys have a great weekend. And immediately, traveling music starts. We don't have our band play. Some people like that. That's fine. But like, there is no dead air at Itown Church. Every moment, I mean, every, every second of no sound, someone in my team is having a heart attack. I can promise you. Because like, it's, it's instantaneous. The, I mean, it's, excellence matters. And so have an upbeat track, have it planned, have it on Spotify, have it loaded, ready to go. Don't make it halfway through the song. Just have it cued at the beginning. And then the last thing I'll say is make sure everything starts and ends on time. I think services personally shouldn't be all that long, but you determine the length. Ours are an hour, hour five at tops. I speak for about anywhere from 36 to 37 and a half minutes. <laughs> Sometimes I go longer. Here's the last thing I want to give you, and then I'll, I'll, uh, we're out of time, but I'll still let you ask questions if you want to stay, and the rest of y'all can leave and take showers for tonight. Mark 9.15, it says, As soon as people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. Listen, if you do all this stuff, you'll create an excellent worship experience, and excellence matters not because we're trying to impress people, but because we're trying to get them to see Jesus. We're trying to get out of the way. And if you create environments where people see Jesus... Here's what will happen. They will be overwhelmed with wonder and they will run to your church every weekend because your church has the presence of God. And I promise that you'll have uh, amazing weekend worship experiences. All right. I said a lot of stuff as fast as I could, so that's a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm going to officially dismiss, but I'd love to answer any questions. If you guys have any, does anybody have any questions? Should we just, should we just dismiss? All right, no questions. All right, let me pray for you. God bless your church. We thank you for your presence, for your anointing, for your power. Help us put it in place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Love you guys. Thank you.